Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and once again, we are so excited to be with you on this week of May. Uh, now we're now on May the 13th on Wednesday of 2020. Excited about the things that we uh, started studying yesterday. Uh, uh, and, and I know, just trust me, I know that uh, we're going to be talking about some very interesting things, but not just interesting, that are needed to know. And I think um, it's so important that we come with a tender heart and a ready ear to hear. We're so happy to have our listeners tuning in from wherever you are at, wherever you're, whatever part of the country or the world that you're at. Thank you for joining us today. I know that you will be blessed today. As always, it is a pleasure to be with our panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, uh, to sit together, uh, you know, wherever we're at, and be able to open up the scriptures together. So, Brother Marty, I'm excited about today, about the things that God has for us, and so I'm going to leave it with you uh, at this moment. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back in the Word again. And we're looking forward to today's study. We began our study yesterday in Revelation chapter 13, talking about uh, the the appearance of the Antichrist. John the Apostle was given the revelation from the Lord, and he was told that as humanity would progress and near the end of, of human history, that it would begin to emerge as a global society, as a society that would be longing to be unified and to be made one and to be made one whole uh, humanity with no no nation states, no borders, just a collective brought together by, as John explains it, the influence uh, of the dragon, uh, the satanic uh, being that was known as Lucifer from, from, from days gone by. And in that study, we also began to look at the other thing, which is uh, the appearance in Revelation 13.5 of the one that we call the Antichrist. And that led us uh, to look and to ask the question, has there ever truly been an Antichrist? Has there ever been someone like that that is more unique and different than all the global leaders that we've had throughout history? You know, we've talked about Pharaoh. We talked about Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about Alexander the Great. We talked about the Caesars. And all of these were the heads of, of a global empire of their day, but only one we found in our studies yesterday can be considered uh, to be a foreshadow of the Antichrist. And the Bible tells us that God does everything in the beginning, and, and in the beginning, excuse me, reveals what shall be in the end. What's in the word and where we study and reveal to us what happens in the beginning shall be a greater fulfillment in the end. And so in our search yesterday, we came to, to, to see, as far as we can tell to this point, that only three people throughout Scripture's history uh, literally uh, have been possessed, if you will, as as global leaders, or or, or possessed by the devil, if you uh, you know, as we looked at it, um, that we can find so far. And uh, the other leaders were influenced by satanic power, but when we looked at three particular individuals, we saw uh, the pattern. One was uh, <clears throat> was Judas. At the Passover, when when Jesus dipped his his the bread in the in the in the dish and then gave a piece of it to Judas, the Bible tells us that Satan entered into him. 
and then he went out and betrayed the Lord, which led to his trial, his crucifixion, and ultimately his resurrection, of course, thank God. But he was the betrayer, and the Bible says specifically of him that the devil entered into him. Subsequently, also, that's what we're going to see in Revelation chapter 13. We studied the beast that rises up out of the bottomless pit known as Abaddon or Apollyon in Revelation chapter uh, 9, verse 11, who appears to go in to this person that becomes subsequently by being possessed by this being from the bottomless pit. He becomes the Antichrist. And we talked about these things in relation to Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, for those of you who are just joining us today, you can review yesterday's teaching and, and, and fill in more of the blanks. But in Revelation 2, we're told, um, in, excuse me, Revelation chapter 9, uh, verse 1 and 2, we are told that at the sounding of the fifth trumpet in the book of Revelation, something happened. It says that a star fell from heaven down to the earth. And we, we, we studied yesterday how that star is Lucifer himself, the fallen one. He's cast down to the earth, but he's given something. And, and there it is revealed that he, he receives a key that appears to open, uh, that grants him access to a dimension that the Bible calls the bottomless pit. And then Revelation chapter 9 from that point on begins to reveal these creatures that come up out of the pit, uh, known as the locusts uh, that are dressed for battle, like horses are dressed for battle, but they have faces of men and they're given crowns of gold and then it says after them rises one who is the king over them that's that mm -hmm. ancient spirit we were talking about his name is abaddon or in the greek john says apollyon and he goes to make war with the saints he goes uh, and possesses the antichrist that's that uh, thing we were talking about yesterday where the bible seems to indicate from revelation 13 verse 1 through four, that a beast system, a global police state, if you will, and a global political making body, and a global ecumenical spiritual system evolves and becomes the framework or the kingdom, if you will, that that Revelation 13:5 says that the Antichrist will rule over, along with the false prophet, which we'll get into probably tomorrow or the next day as we conclude the week. We're going to talk about the false prophet who aids him in coming to power and aids his power by unifying taking the world to that last and final step which is the the uh the the merging of the collective with the satanic and we'll we'll talk more about that tomorrow but so that led us to look at the at the other one we talked about the three judas we talked about the antichrist but there was one in the beginning and that took us over to genesis chapter 10 which is where we're going to be at today and we're going to talk a little bit about what happened and how this person, this mystery person, is very difficult to find information about him, even when you dig into the old manuscripts. But as you begin by the Spirit of the Lord to really pursue these things, God begins to open up uh, understanding as we search the ancient peoples of the days of the past and in their histories and their legends and their lores but also in their writings and, and the earliest writings uh, really being the, the writings of the Sumerians. Um, and, and, and they wrote things like the Epic of Gilgamesh. It's the oldest known language in the world. And we don't have time to get into an archeological class, but really you begin to piece these things together and a picture begins to emerge as to what 
the earth or the planet was like just after the flood and who emerged out of that population of humanity was the one that we called Nimrod. And that is where we began to discuss yesterday how that he in the beginning is the foreshadow of the of the great Antichrist that's not too many days ahead of us. And so we want to review just a little bit and then we'll get into where we're going to talk about today because today we're going to talk about something that Nimrod and the people that he led of his day attempted to do and that was to build a tower. We call it the Tower of Babel. And there's some incredible things that are revealed there by the Lord which will open up to us in our time exactly why we see happening what we see happening today, which is which is a, a desire to return back to those days of old when the world was one language, one speech, and one technologically advanced society. So in, in that, Nimrod comes on the scene, and in, Revel- in, in Genesis chapter 10, uh, verse 8 and 9, it begins with this. It says, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. So here we have a list and attention drawn to this one we call Nimrod. His name is very insightful. Remember, as we talked about yesterday, he is in the lineage of one of the three sons of Noah. And and his three sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the son that Noah cursed. He cursed his son. That would be Canaan. And Canaan would give birth or father Cush, and Cush would father uh, Nimrod. So uh, or I should say, Cush would father Canaan, and, and, and the sons of Cush were Siva, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and so forth and so on, and Cush begat Nimrod. That's what it says. Now listen, what's revealed to us in these scriptures and what we need to really pay attention to again, as I reemphasize, is that the Bible reveals to us that God destroyed the world that then was, and there were particular reasons why he destroyed it. It was an egregious time, and in Genesis chapter 6, we are told, and even Jesus tells us, our Lord Jesus reminds us, you need to pay attention to as it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, because just as it was in those days, it shall be again just before the return of the Son of Man. And so that is why we look at these things and why we study them, and they are necessary uh, components to opening up Uh, our understanding for the days and the times in which we're living. And so with that in mind, we study in Genesis chapter 6, where we're told that something very dark and demonic took place, if you will, the the sons of God, the Ben Elohim, left their estate or their habitation or their dominion or the dimensional abode of their existence, uh, having looked upon the daughters of, of, uh, of men, uh, that then were in Genesis 6, and they took them uh, for themselves. They, and, and those daughters became their wives, and, and they bore genetically altered humans. They bore what the Bible calls the Nephilim. They were a half angelic sort of class, half female uh, flesh uh, type being, a hybrid. And what they produced, which is very interesting, I was reading one of the scholars and he pointed out, which I found interesting, and it's true, none of them produced daughters. 
They just produced men. But they were they became known as the giants of old, the men of renown, the mighty men of old. They became so aggressive and so wicked and so evil that it necessitated God destroying the world that then was. Involved in that whole culture and society, what the Egyptians call Zep Tepi, or the first time, the ancient history of the planet before the flood, was an incredible movement of wickedness and evil. Uh, Jude even quotes the book of Enoch in Jude, where he mentions that even then, during that time, the Lord gave uh, the prophet Enoch the vision of the ultimate conclusion of all things, and that would be the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. But nonetheless, it became so incredibly crazy in those days that God had to destroy the planet. And out of that came only Noah, his sons, his sons' wives, and his wife, eight in total. But again, I'm talking to you about Nimrod. Ham, one of Noah's sons, and really all of them, remember, and what most people forget, is that they lived during that time. They were part of the generation that witnessed the rise of the Nephilim, the breaking in of the wicked uh, angels that left their first estate. They saw and witnessed the development of the planet Earth into a, an incredibly wicked place as a result of, of the constraints of God's desire for mankind being completely broken and it necessitated the destruction of it. Well, in that, so much knowledge came over on the other side of the flood with Noah and his family. But the knowledge became uh, corrupted through the line of Ham. That, and what I mean by that is that Ham took the darker parts of the, and the, and of the information uh, of his experience on the other side of the flood and revealed it to his genealogy. And this led to a series of sons and people being born. And the Bible immediately draws our attention to one particular individual. He is a foreshadow of what we will know as the Antichrist in our time. His name is Nimrod. As we talked about yesterday, his name means rebellion. Uh, he was named rebellion or valiant one who is rebellious. It's very interesting because God draws our attention to him in three little verses and he wants us to understand something about him. And he does that by the way that Moses wrote. Remember, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. The way that he writes and the way that he records, uh, according to the rabbis, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, God dictated him the book of Genesis. He gave him the, the, the books of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible. And so this history we're reading is actually history that was recorded by Moses as it was given to him by God at Mount Sinai. And in that, it is important to pay attention to the way Moses wrote, because every name, every place, every action is meant to be understood uh, in a very, very profound and deep level. While the historical narrative is true, also there is deeper, hidden, mysterious things within the, the structure of how God communicates through Moses that was meant to alert us and give us insight that is those who seek the Lord and desire to know such things and walk before him uh, with, with all their heart. So with that in mind, he draws our attention to Nimrod, whose name means rebellion. And, and it's more than just meaning that he was a sinful kind of guy, right? I mean, he, he, right. Actually, foresha he actually foreshadows um, the Antichrist, as we said. 
And then, you know, his name meaning rebellion is also uh, an insight to us to let us know the quality of his character or lack of quality of his character. His whole nature is wrapped up in his name. It's more than just he, he was a sinner or he was a bad guy. He is rebellion. But what kind of rebellion? And that's the question we need to ask. And that's what the Bible goes on to reveal because it says his name was rebellion. And then it says he began to be a mighty one in the earth. And we talked about that yesterday. The word uh, began is very insightful in the Hebrew because it literally means in his rebellion, he began or he initiated something. And the word began in the Hebrew literally means to open a wedge or to bore open a hole, to profane, to desecrate or to pollute oneself. And it has the idea, uh, as, you, as you break down the word even further, it has a, a ritualistic component to it, a sexual component to it. There was something that he did and what he attempted to do seemed to be tied up in a ritual of some sort. And we don't need to dig into that just to protect our minds, but, uh, you know, but he was attempting to open a hole or open a wedge, if you will, and he did this by by incredibly dark knowledge through through ritual and and perversion, which literally resulted in him becoming polluted. His body itself became polluted. So it says Nimrod began to be, and the word be means to come into existence. And so what God was revealing about Nimrod was he became the very personification of rebellion. How that occurred was he sought to open a hole wherein it caused him to become uh, defiled, polluted, and, and, and desecrated. His very being became desecrated through a ritual of some sort of dark knowledge and information that also uh, included uh, you know, some of the most per per uh, perverse things as it relates to this deep, dark, occult thing that he did. And it seems to be indicating that, that he succeeded. He succeeded uh, with such an intensity that a dimension of sorts was opened, and it seems to indicate in the Hebrew words there that that's what produced his existence. He was born into something else, and the Bible calls it a mighty one a mighty one in the earth. And the word mighty one is the word gibor in the Hebrew, uh, and, and which also is where we get the word mighty, which is where we get the word nephilim, or nephil in the Hebrew. You can read that in Genesis 6, verse 1 through 4. It's the same language. And so what it seems to be implying here, and what God is revealing through Moses, was on the other side of the flood, this information of the dark arts, if you will, came through Ham, down through his sons, and, and it came to Nimrod. He's the first one that seems to have really picked up the mantle and was moved, of course, we know by influences of Satan, to begin to enter into the place that was before the flood. And we see that the devil began immediately to try and corrupt humanity. He succeeded through Nimrod, who appears to have opened a dimension that caused himself to become desecrated and come into existence as a completely different being. He became a mighty one. He became a Nephilim. He became a Gabor. And, and, so the more, and the, uh, the, the, yeah, yeah yes. I just wanted to say the word literally there began means to break your word or to break covenant. 
to to literally go against God's uh, order and, <clears throat> and God's uh, laws, uh, natural laws. So it's, it's in essence the very thing that um, the angels did in Genesis chapter six that he sought to uh, to do um, and reproduce. Uh, so he he literally left this desire to leave his own estate of just a purely human. And and he began to a transformation took place where he began to be a mighty one. So this is a yes. rebellion uh, that was taking place in his life. All right, it's a rebellion that 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 really stems from Lucifer himself, the very same spirit uh, that 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 moved in Lucifer to rebel, that ultimately uh, moved in in Nimrod to rebel and break covenant with God. That's what he was doing. Yes, and that is wrapped up in that word. And the covenant that it's referring to there is, is what what is known as the the Noahic covenant or the Noahide laws, right? The laws that were given and applied when Noah came out of the ark and that were given to the whole of humanity. It wasn't the revealed covenant yet of Sinai, but it was what they call the Noahide covenant. There was a certain a set of rules that God gave and it's that covenant which he rebelled against. Now, uh, you, you bring out a good point there, because understand it from the position of a material being, a human being. What he was attempting to do was not only uh, leave his own estate, but it was more than that. Because what, what happened was that, that the door was shut. The, the angels had been chained in, in, in Tartarus, as, as it's known, or in everlasting darkness, outer darkness, everlasting chains of darkness is what Jude called them, who left their first estate. The original 200 uh, uh, that, that Enoch speaks of in the first writings of Enoch. Now, we don't have his book, but we, we can go back to, to the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and recent discoveries that translate the first few chapters of the book of Enoch and, and use it as a source, a historical source, uh, at, at, or in some sense, at least an apocryphal source so we can gain some information. But the fact that Jude quoted from Enoch legitimizes the book, at least the part that he quoted. And in those passages there, Enoch revealed that it was a, it was a contingent, almost like an elite force of principality and powers, the angels that left their estate were, were a compilation of about 200 of them, he says, and they broke through. But when the judgment came, we were told that they were, they were chained in everlasting darkness. They were, they were kept in a right. particular dimension. And this is what Nimrod was attempting to do. He wasn't just attempting to leave his estate. He was actually trying to reopen the stargate, if you will, the portal, yeah. the dimension which they were now in. He was trying to get them to be freed and come in to the earth again so soon <laughs> after God. Just no, and it's true. It's true because when people think of the Tower of Babel, you know, uh, as it's classically preached, they think that it's man's attempts to get to heaven, right? But it's really more of an invitation or of a summoning of mankind uh, to for these evil spirits. Right, these 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 uh these spirits of old ancient spirits. So that's that's what the Tower of Babel was all about. If when you really get down to it and really study it. 
which is where we're headed, right? So listen, he right. he 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 succeeded. He actually succeeded, and and probably it blows my mind the level of 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 darkness that we see here motivating this human yes. being. It, it's right. also interesting because the same thing, right? What happens, like like we were saying here, the the words that are used here began to be means that he he transformed. He literally suffered a wound or a piercing that wounded him to where he, for for uh, as as it relates to his own uh spirit or soul, however you want to describe it, a death took place. A death of soul, a darkness that flooded the mind and the and and the unregenerate spirit to a level that that some sort of 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 infiltration occurred he succeeded in what he did and and in essence a resurrection occurred uh but but it was a emerging of an ancient spirit and he comes into existence he becomes a hybrid he literally changes that's what happens that's what it says what's interesting is that it is that the devil always has tried to inhabit humanity always and that's why when you go back to the garden, we understand it better, right? What happened uh, when Eve ate the fruit or whatever that thing was and gave to her husband, their eyes were open. The enemy himself at that moment took possession of their bodies and, it, and, 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 and in essence became the caretaker of the very genetic pool of humanity because no other human being had been born yet but it corrupted the seed of men through Adam. And, and so he inhabits the children of disobedience, just like the apostle Paul revealed to us in Ephesians chapter two, right? He's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That's, that's the spirit working through them. But this is a even next level type thing where the actual vessel becomes overtaken by the ancient a spirit that he summoned by whatever rituals he was doing, he succeeded. It's it's incredible. And the Bible goes on in verse 9 to say that he becomes a mighty hunter before the Lord. This hearkens to what John reveals in Revelation 13:5 of the Antichrist uh, that will arise. He does the same thing because the words mighty hunter before the Lord, they literally mean to blaspheme or to boast or to, to act proudly against God. That's what began to happen. His his personality became such that he he was he was a blasphemer and a boaster in the face of God. That's what that means, a mighty hunter before the Lord. We are told in Revelation 13, uh, verse 5, uh, 6 and 7, that the same thing in 8 is going to be the same thing that the Antichrist does. As soon as he's given a mouth, as soon as he becomes that Antichrist, which limits human history to 42 months. You go back and listen to our teaching yesterday, Revelation 13, 5. This is why it's very profound when you read Revelation 13, verse 3 and 4, where it indicates that worship, ritualistic worship, uh, takes place that produces the mouth of Revelation 13, 5. It's the same thing that happened here. Uh, the connection is incredible. But this brings us to uh, Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to be, we'll go as much as we can today in this, because it's an incredible thing that God begins to reveal. 
Nimrod, from this point on, he begins to lead a contingent away from the territory that appears to have uh, been the, the kind of location uh, when Noah came out of the ark, it rests on the Mount of Ararat. And they be, and you know, there's, there's three groups, remember, there's Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? These genealogies begin to take shape and take form, flowing through the genealogies. Nimrod takes his contingent with him. He takes a, the, the group of the genealogies that, that flowed through his father, Cush, who came from Ham, of course, and, and they set off, the Bible tells us. And that's where it brings us to our story today, Genesis chapter 11. It says this in Genesis 11, verse 1. It says, now the whole earth was, was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and there they dwelt. So the first thing we begin to see is Nimrod begins to lead a contingent of the planet. Uh, that, that form uh, that flowed through his genealogy that came from Ham, they begin to set off and separate themselves from the east, which was the location where the ark had come to rest. And, and that people group there, they're still unified. Men haven't really scattered yet because God hasn't come down and, and made it so. But this particular bunch, this tribe led by Nimrod sets off, it says. It says, and the first thing that's revealed to us is very interesting because it says that they were of one language and they were of one speech. And so this reveals something interesting to us for the archaeologists out there, right? I mean, what God is revealing here is one language. Uh, it, language is what we speak, what you hear audibly, right? Uh, so they're all speaking the same language. Everybody understands everybody. But they were also of one speech, which uh, which when you get into the root words there, it's talking about the the uh, the alphabet by which they wrote was the same. They had one common script, if you will, one common book. How they communicated was in reading and writing. One language, one speech. The word speech uh, literally can be uh, fleshed out into, into meaning not only what is spoken, but also what is compiled in a book or the written language. So not only was the speaking language, but the written language was one. And that's very important. We, we we could spend a couple hours just talking about that, but but it was an original uh, language. It was an original alphabet, if you will. It was a written language and a spoken language, and it was a unified language. So they were all in communication. But what's interesting to me is after that's pointed out in verse two, it says, uh, "Then they then they journeyed from the east." and they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and that's where they chose to camp out. So they leave the territory uh, uh, where they were at, and they head uh, into a particular direction. What's interesting is it, the, the phrase that the Bible uses is, they journeyed. You know, they began to travel, and they're being led by Nimrod now, and he takes them. Uh, and, there, and, and the word journey uh, in there, it indicates that they were looking for something. They were on a journey looking for something. They didn't just decide to just split up and, you know, go on a vacation. Remember, Nimrod is now changed. He's completely changed. 
he has been completely taken over. He has he has he has practically died, the Bible says, and 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 became something else. He came into existence as a hybrid. He was changed. He was a gibor, a, ne- a nephil. He was a mighty uh, uh, nephilim. There was an altering of of the very essence of his being. He he became a container of an ancient spirit that was driving him. And then he takes this cursed line of people and he begins to lead them on a journey. And the Bible uses this term that they found a plane. The The word found is very, very insightful to us because it, it reveals to us that, that they were looking for something in particular. It, it, they, they began uh, to be led by Nimrod in a direction in order to find something. That's what this word literally means. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Hebrew. It, it, it comes from the Hebrew matzah. So they were on a journey looking for something, and they would, were looking for a particular something because the word literally means to find, to secure, and to acquire something. And what's really profound is this begins to begin to paint a picture on how this being called Nimrod, a foreshadow of the Antichrist, the first Antichrist, if you will, uh, leads this tribe of unified humanity in search of something, and they found it. That's what the word means. They found what they were looking for. They came to a plain, the Bible says, in the land of Shinar. The word plain uh, is made up of two words. One is uh, bika. And one is baka. <laughs> so the word plain is very insightful because it means to cleave something or to rend something or to break something open. And when you start looking at that, we begin to see what it was that Nimrod was actually doing with these people. Right. They set out on a journey looking for a particular geographic location. They were looking for a particular geographic location. It also means something lost. It means to find, to secure, and to acquire something lost. And they found it. And the place that they found where they chose to dwell was in the land of Shinar, which is the land of two rivers, where the Euphrates and the Tigris are. Remember, the Bible talked about in in Genesis chapter 10, verse uh, 10 that the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and one of the one of the uh one of the uh, geographic territories that is mentioned there is is uh is Erech in in Genesis 10:10 10, 10, it says the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad Kalna in the land of Shinar Erech is where we get our modern day uh uh, term of w- what is known as the Uruk or the Uruk expansion. This is part of the Uruk expansion. It has its history in almost 3,500 years ago. This is what they call the Uruk expansion, but it goes from Iraq or Uruk, but it becomes what we call today Iraq. That's where Iraq's word comes from. That is where he went to. He went to what is now uh, modern day Iraq, which was which would ultimately become some thousand, fifteen hundred years later, the place of the nation state of Babylon, but that's for another time. But this is where he came to. This is where he led. 
they went on a journey specifically looking for something. And, and we're going to get into that in a minute. So they wanted to reacquire or secure a territory. The, the word plain literally means the territory they were looking for was the place where of the breaking open or the rending. It's implying there quite possibly that what they were looking for was a specific location on the planet where where they could they could cause a breaking uh, or an opening to reoccur. And it's in Shinar, the land of two rivers. And I don't really have time to get into it today, but, but there, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow a little bit. But water was a chief component. Water was a very uh, necessary component of what they needed and where the two rivers converge. And, and, and in the historical accounts of of the ancient uh, peoples of the past, there's some very, very interesting things about the water and, and why the plane was there. But we don't have time to get into that, but you can do that in your own study. So when they got there, it says uh, that they dwelt there. That means to sit down. They literally uh, in, brought their tents and, and their, their in incredible focus was that they had found the place they were looking for. So it wasn't just a mere casual, let's go check some stuff out here. They were on a journey led by a fully uh, controlled demonic entity in the form of Nimrod, who had accessed an opening and was now being controlled by a spirit uh, that inhabited this man. Uh, and, and this is what he does. The spirit and what he had learned was leading him and this people to go find and secure a particular place in order to cause an opening uh, in the land of Shinar. And that's where they camp. Now that gives us right to verse three, right? So this is really intense because, because notice how eager they are once they get there, right? Brother Jeremy, can you read that? Genesis 11, three? Yes, that just says, and they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them Thoroughly, when they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. Yeah, and the slime for mortar, that's one of the reasons they wanted to be near water, but it had to be a particular kind of water, and we don't have time to get into that, but it's really a fascinating study if we get into it. But notice how the eager Martin, they are. Yeah. One question that I would ask in verse 3 is, you know, who taught them? Who taught them this, right? You know, the, the Bible, where did they learn this from? Well, I think it's apparent, I could be wrong, that they learned these from the fallen angels, how to make mm -hmm. brick, burn them thoroughly, right? How to, to make this brick for stone and slime, for mortar. I mean, they must have learned this from somebody, right? Well, that it implies that they were already advanced technologically, right? So, But remember, uh, more than likely, they learned it from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right, who, who came over the other side of the sled. Um, but but we'll, we'll, but you're right. You know they're 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 constructing stuff, so they're not stupid. So look at in verse three, what you just said there, uh, what you read. Look, as soon as they get to the place they were searching for, and as soon as they get to this place, the intention is to find and discover a place that they can break open something. They want to break open something, and and what they want to break open really is is, is the dimensions that have 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 prohibited uh, demonic activity from coming into the earth in the extent that they want it to. And it's really incredible what, what God reveals here because the, the terminology is very interesting. 
first of all, look how eager they are. As soon as they get there, they camp, they found it. That's what it says. They found the plane in the land of Shinar, and that's where they camp. And then verse 3 says right away, and they say one to another, go to, or in other words, let's hurry up. They're like completely intense about this. And they say, let's make brick. Let's burn them thoroughly. And then they had brick for stone and slime they had for motor. Look at this. Because the terminology is very interesting. Because the word brick, let, that's the first thing they say. Let's make brick. <clears throat> it's a particular kind of brick. So we're, 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 we're going to learn here what, this, what they were doing. They weren't just like making, you know, uh, clay bricks just to make bricks. The word is very, very interesting. It's the word in the Hebrew, ebenah. Ebenah, I-B-E-N-A-H, ebenah. It, it, it comes from the meaning of the whiteness of clay, specifically uh, brick for an altar. So what they were talking about and what they were literally saying is, let us begin to to formulate or construct building material out of a particular kind of brick, which is the brick that is used to make an altar. So this is what they begin to <laughs> this is what they begin to set out to do. They they're looking for a location. They're looking for a particular place led by this demonic antichrist foreshadow, and they come to it. When they find it, they camp there. And they immediately begin constructing bricks, but not just any old bricks like to build a little house in the backyard. These are bricks specifically dedicated for the express purpose of creating an altar-like structure. It's brick for an altar, and we'll get into that. And then they say, what? Let's set them on fire. Let's burn them. Let's burn the brick. And they did that for a particular reason. Burn them thoroughly which is so interesting because the word thoroughly that's used there by Moses is seraph or seraphim, where we get that word in the Hebrew seraphim, which means the angels of fire, right? So they're literally saying, we're going to burn them. It's, it's almost like a ritual thing that they were doing. They're dedicating these particular bricks. They're hardening them, of course. All this is a chemical reaction and stuff. But, but they want to thoroughly make these of the most solid sort they can. It's intention there. There's an intent in the in the beginning process of this tower they're getting ready to build to create a structure that is dedicated. When, in other words, what they're saying, when we get done with this tower, the very bricks that we've used to build this tower, the entire structure is an altar. The entire structure. Not, not just a tiny wow. little altar you, you throw a lamp, but the whole thing. That's this incredible. is, it is because, check this out, because <laughs> we see the same principle in the modern day. It, it, think of it. Think of it in the terms of you need, you know, you need an antenna, right, to draw a signal down. <laughs> you need, if you want, if you're outside with your little radio, right, you put the antenna up and you like try to tune in the frequency, you know. So you need this. This the the bigger the antenna, the stronger the signal, right? Uh, and, and so think of it that way the technology they were developing here was of the sort that we want to create this structure, but every single component of it will become the largest uh, lightning attractor, if you will, or signal attractor. 
they wanted to create a technology that could literally be every component of it is specifically designed to tear open a hole in the fabric of time and space. <laughs> that sounds crazy, man. But <laughs> that's what they were doing, though. So, so they have. <laughs> am I just the only one laughing here? Okay. So they. they <laughs> <laughs> so, but they wanted. Well, the, the, it's, it's in the, it's in the Bible, right? It's it's well, there. Talking, it's exactly yeah. What, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, what is it, explaining? It's just you but, never hear Marty, this. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if that's what I was trying. That's what I was trying to say. That there had to be an influence, you know, like for them to 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 begin to build in that manner. You know what I'm saying? Well, there that's was. What, <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah. but that's what we're talking about. See, that's what we're talking yeah. about because we started out talking about with Nimrod, right? He opened something that caused him to become inhabited and changed. Right. So in essence, he's carrying this dark knowledge with him. It's not even him anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's right. not him anymore. He's complete. This is fascinating stuff, you know, but I mean, it, it reveals so much and, and we ain't got time to get into all of it. But but his very right and left hemispheres, man, they became inhabited. His soul w was inhabited. He was no longer a human. He was Antichrist, if you will. He was Nimrod. He, he, he is a God man at this point, and he's invested with knowledge. That is why Moses points out to us in Genesis 11:1, 1, where we started reading, they were of one speech and, and, and I mean, of one language and one speech. He's trying mm -hmm. to tell us something. Not only are they just talking, but they have compiled uh, writing systems already in play. It's as if they're carrying with them uh, the 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 technology in the books that they had, in the writings, in the scrolls, in whatever form it took they had both they had both the spoken word and the written word and contained in there is information quite possibly downloaded and compiled through the genealogy of ham from ham to Cush to canaan to nimr all them guys you know it, it came down through that that's why when you talk about you know the jebusites the hittites the amorites all these ites right that that, that the genealogy continues with these are the dark peoples of the earth man this is this is what Abraham was up against when he came into the promised land. All that stuff, you know, the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. I mean, this goes all the way back there. But let's continue. So they the begin to make, yeah. Were they, were they, so, you know, that word, um, is it matzah that you said, brother? Uh, yeah. To be found, right? It, it also yeah. means to to find a place. Yes. You know, and which, which, which you're speaking about, to find a place. But for what? It's for this ritualistic altar that they're building? Really? It's not just an altar. It's it's a mountain they're building. Yes. <laughs> but they're building the technology mountain. Remember this, brother. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, you're already getting way ahead of me. But listen, Sorry, what brother. we're talking—no, okay. it's all right. It's okay. I understand. It gets your mind going, right? So what we're talking about here is is they're trying to unleash or reaccess these 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 fallen angels now remember what we're told and where these angels originally entered into the planet was from a mountain and that was mount hermon right that's where they came from right that's where they entered into well the flood has just decimated everything you know they're, right. they're they don't even have their bearings right 
I mean, so they're, they're just still getting used to the new geographic outlay of the world. And, and when they journey, they're not just looking. Uh, it's almost as if they're looking uh, for, uh, for, the, for another mountain. But this is different. This is different because the, the spirit that inhabited and literally killed the old Nimrod and took possession of his being and, and, and made him into some aberration, right, this abomination, this, this, this antichrist foreshadow, he uh, decides that he's going to build another mountain. It's known as a tower, but it's literally a mountain, only it's not a mountain made out of earth anymore in that sense. It's a technological wonder and marvel it's a different expression for a different purpose and that's what we're going to see here that's what's being revealed here see <laughs> this is why <laughs> this is why most people never get it when they read these passages of the scripture because because it, it kind of looks like god is just you know what are they doing you know and ah they can't do that you know let's just go blow up their tower no no this got the attention are you listening this got the attention of God, <laughs> of yeah. God himself. Right. I mean, this exactly. is way more than a bunch of people just building a, a skyscraper, right? I mean, it's more than that. It's more than that. This was so intense, what they were attempting to do, that it got God's attention. And he said, wait a minute, we'll get to that in a second. But he says, hey, we got to go down and check this out. I mean, this is this is bad. So, so you know, Nimrod bad, okay? Right. <laughs> so, right. so, so he's the, the, the kind of brick, right? It says that they're doing it. It says, let's make brick and let's burn them thoroughly. You know, it's it's an altar. The entire structure was an altar. And 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 I'll give you uh, I'll give you some examples because later, right, when he scatters and the people go throughout the world, is it any wonder that we you go over to 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 Machu Picchu, right, up in the Andes? I mean, that whole structure there, or you go over to Cusco in 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 Peru, you, you you'll see these these megalithic structures or Chichen Itza, right, or or, or 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 what the Mayans built or the Aztecs built throughout Mesoamerica. Or, or go into the pyramids of Egypt, and you begin to see these structures emerge hundreds of years later after these guys, but they went throughout the whole world and began to do the same thing. The difference is they didn't have Nimrod with them. They didn't have access. God confounded not only their, their spoken language, but their written language. And so... It, it, it that's why you see like this advanced technology right off the other side of the flood. And then all of a sudden, when you go back into the archaeological digs, as they do, and, and they begin to dig up these, you know, these really, uh, what's the right word, um, not very sophisticated uh, communication systems and very elementary and rudimentary expressions of technology to start with, these pottery things, and, you know, it's not the same. And that's why they get so freaked out about the pyramids and places like that, because they go, how did they build them? They're not supposed to be able to build like that. Well, they built them before, and they fell, right. and they got scattered, and the technology got squashed for the benefit of, of preventing this thing. But it's always been the quest of humanity and the demonic and the satanic to come together because of their fallen father and their fallen nature, which is Adam. But see, why we're talking about this is because the book of Revelation says that's where we're headed. We're already there. 
you know, I'm way ahead of myself now, but I mean, we're there. We have returned to a spoken language that's unified and a written language called ones and zeros, if you will. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. So listen, so they say brick, let's burn the bricks thoroughly because we're going to create the biggest mountain altar you've ever seen. We're going to build our own Mount Hermon. Now, that's right. He says, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And so it says, and so they do that, right? And now they have the brick. Listen to what they say. And they had brick for stone. Very interesting here. So they make the individual bricks, but it says the brick for stone. And the word stone is, is twofold. It's the word eben, which means to build, and, and bana. This is intense. Now, pay attention. Because <laughs> what the brick was going to be dedicated for was to build. But the word ebon also means, listen to this, you'll like this one, stones of fire. That's what they're calling them. And stones of destruction. So this reveals two things to us. Stones of fire harkens, for those of you that are students of the Bible, you can go read it in Ezekiel 28. It is the same thing that God said that Satan walked up and down in when he was listed to the stones of fire, the mysterious stones of fire, right? And I'm not going to get into that rabbit trail right now, but it also means stone of destruction. So we want brick to, to build the stones of fire, and we're also intending to build with this brick as to make them stones of destruction. So it, 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 it begins to reveal to us the intent and purpose of their construction had within it a component, a component of destroying. They wanted to be an aggressive, uh, more than just human uh, fighting force. They're indicating that this thing they're constructing is, is, is like the death Star, man. I mean, they're creating this thing with the intent purposes of, of having a rallying point and some sort of incredibly advanced thing that they think in their diluted Nimrod-led mind that it's going to actually result in, a, in an incredible ability to destroy any attempt by the God who flooded the earth before from actually mm. being able to, to do it again. So, and it, wow, yeah. And, and the word and the word brick for stone it means ebon and it also means bana. So there's another intent revealed there in that this construction was uh, of this tower was intended to to create this destructive death star thing, if you will, this death mountain, this death tower for military purposes. But also bana uh, is a root which means to obtain children and to restore the exiles by building a house <laughs> all of that's in this so in essence they want to to produce offspring not just like men and women having babies they're actually trying to return back to the time of the mm -hmm. nephilim that's what that's what's happening here and nimrod's leading them to do this the gods merging with men. That's what they're attempting to do. And to restore the exiles. That's what it means. You go study it out. The bana is to restore the egg. What exiles? The, <laughs> the angelic hosts that have been exiled from the planet for the gross sin that they committed post of a pre-flood. They're trying to, right. to obtain children by them again. They wanted to do it again. These guys are nuts. 
<laughs> Absolutely right. not. No. Yes. Right. right? So what do right. they say? And there's so they have all the components now, and 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 they and they attempt, like I was saying, they're attempting to build a mountain. They're trying to replace Mount Hermon or create another one, only a much more sophisticated one in their thinking. They're trying to build a technology mountain, if you will. So they say, let us build. First, they, uh, they're, 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 they're real intense, right? The first thing they do in verse 3 is once they get to the plane, they discover the place. They looked for a particular place. Now, I don't have time to get into all this, but you start doing studies about these megalithic temples that have been built all over the planet, you'll find something very unique. They all run across the 30th parallel. If you know longitude and latitude, latitude when it comes to global map systems. And, and the very forces that God put to govern the world, what they call them ley lines, the magnetic poles, all these things. When you get to the 30th parallel, you'll find that every single major structure of an occult nature uh, you can draw the 30th parallel line around the globe and you'll find it, whether it's Easter Island, the, the pyramids of Giza, uh, uh, the, the temples in, in Mesoamerica, they all connect on the very same parallel line where this original tower was built in the plains of Shinar. That's for another day. That's Bible 102. All right. So listen. <laughs> so listen to this. So, <laughs> So they go right away, right? They start off when they get there and they say, let's go make our substance we need. And then they go, now let's build. In verse four, they say, let us build. And the word bana, again, it means, the word build means bana. It means to build, or it also means uh, to rebuild or to obtain children. And one of the meanings like we were just talking about is to establish a place for exiles. And we ask the question, what exiles are you talking about? And what children are you trying to make? <laughs> Why do you got to build a tower to have children? You know, they, they're talking about redoing what happened with the Nephilim, and they want to they want to bring back the Watchers, as they're called, right? They want to bring back the the heavenly host that fell, the fallen ones. That's what they're attempting to do. And they say, let us build a city, uh, which is very interesting because that's the the Hebrew word ayir or i y r, which means this thing when they complete it is going to be a guarded place. That's what the word ire means, uh, the guarded place by watch, to be awakened, to be awakened. But the kind of awakening that they're saying, when they say city, it, it, it kind of hints at the mythology of, of Atlantis and all these, you know, fabled places, you know, uh, of, uh, of, of, of mythology of old. It has that idea that this, they were attempting to become a society fully awake and fully militarized in order to to be their own entity fully awake fully on watch fully guarding this is military this is aggressive and it's against someone it's against god now listen let's let's build a city and a tower which is the word migdal it literally means tower castle or pyramid-like structure. And this is interesting. Whose head uh, or whose top reaches to heaven. That's the first place we see the mention, which comes from the Hebrew word rosh, which means a head. Just like we were talking about in the book of Revelation, right? One of his heads were wounded. It has that same feeling. 
a summit or a head. We want his head to reach to the top. And what's really interesting is I was reading uh, in one of the rabbinic commentaries, and they were saying that that they believe that uh, through their legends, you know, that what was actually going to happen when they got to the top was that Nimrod was having them make an image of himself uh, holding a sword at the very top of it, pointing to heaven as if in absolute blasphemy and boasting against or daring God to come down. So it says, we want to build this tower, this pyramid-like structure, this mountain, this technology mountain, this, this, this new Mount Hermon, if you will. And, and so it can reach the top of it, will reach uh, into heaven right unto heaven and and you look that up so that 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 this thing can reach unto heaven which is shamayim they were talking about creating something that could access the arc of the sky or the celestial bodies themselves the planetary solar system this is what they're talking about and uh and in even into heaven itself the abode of god these are the characteristics of lucifer man i will ascend above the heights of the clouds right into the sides of the congregation of the north, I will be like the most high God. This is what they're attempting to do just on this side of the flood already. And, and they're, they're doing it in an incredible aggressive nature. And they're doing it at a high order of technology. This is what people don't realize. The old world that then was, they were so far advanced beyond us. The reason that, that we think that we're so, we're so all that is because we've evolved from a point of, of, of being not as educated as we are now, but it wasn't always that way. When God came down and confounded their ability to communicate and to write, because that's apparently what he seemed to do, and, and it, it, it brought it back down to a very rudimentary level. And it's taken thousands of years now. Oh, my God, this is this would make a good movie. It's taken thousands of it's taken thousands of years to recapture what once was, and that's where we are. That's why you see the kind of they call it the uh, the exponential growth in technology has happened just in the last hundred years, and now they're saying that everything that we know or everything that we are learning is doubling. The entire knowledge base of humanity is doubling every 18 months now. And, and, and anyway, so this is the kind of technology we're talking about here. We're not talking about a bunch of people dragging their knuckles here. Remember, <laughs> when, Noah yeah. came over the, <laughs> when Noah came over the other side of the Well, flood, well think about this, Brother Marty. I mean, take the Giza Pyramid, for example. Yeah. I mean, these big yeah. boulders. We don't even have the technology or cranes to lift them up. And they're, in our day. Cuts are, yeah, in our day. And the listener has to pay attention to this. Where did this technology come from? The Bible said there's right. nothing new under the sun. The cuts are so precise, so precise, they put nothing in between the boulders. You can literally slide a credit card clean yeah. through yeah. those cuts. <laughs> we don't have the technology for it. So where going, did that technology come from? I'm glad you right. brought that up because just just go into the plains of Giza, Google uh, or YouTube it, and, and look at some good archaeology there. And when they take you into the, you know, the queen's chamber, or they take you into the king's chamber, or they take you down the great hall passages of the interior part of the pyramids, what Brother Fernando is saying is absolutely right. They have granite 
blocks in there uh, that weigh over 120 tons, hundreds of them, so precisely uh, fit together and at the same time creating interior passageways with no mortar. Right. I mean, this right. is insane, right? And, yeah. and they can't even, they cannot. And, and not only that, brother, as we know, uh, the, the famous archaeologist, Robert, Dr. Robert Bouval, uh, several years back, two or three decades ago, discovered that the very plains of Giza and the, the three pyramids of Giza are, are precisely aligned uh, to, the, to the three stars that are in the belt of Orion. So not only is right. it a technological wonder, it is also perfectly aligned with the constellation of Orion, uh, his, his, his belt, um, in the sky. So they mirrored on the earth what was in the sky in the pyramids of Giza. But not only that, it, it, it doesn't actually perfectly align unless you reverse time all the way back to the year 10,500 B.C., and it perfectly aligns. So, like you said, what is going on here? What is being seen here? This is a technology of a sort that that our species forgot. When God came down and messed this whole thing up for them, it wasn't just because he didn't want them to be architects or builders or have babies yeah. or be a city. This was This was so dangerous what they were doing as to literally threaten humanity itself and thereby the plan of God to bring the Messiah who would ultimately deal with that old dragon, which he's going to do in the not too distant future. They built this, this technological wonder, this, this new Mount Hermon in the plains of Shinar, which is where we, what we call Iraq. And, and there's a whole story behind that, man. I hope, I hope the Lord allows us to go there in the next few weeks or something, because you will see out of this will come uh, where we get Babylon or, or the mother of harlots and what was also comprised quite possibly in these things that gave birth uh, to this mother of harlots and what she is, who she is. One of her characteristics in some of the interesting history I've read is that she is a a transgender or androgynous goddess, as they used to say in the Sumerian culture, whose chief component was taking men and turning them into women and women into men. But that's for another day. But it's all of this is going on here. And, 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 and I want to say, say to this, say this to you, that, that why do we think we're seeing these kinds of things flourishing in our time? Why are we witnessing these kinds of things beginning to come come back in full force? And isn't it interesting that when we invaded the Gulf, do you, I mean, when we went over there to fight Saddam Hussein, right? We went right to the same ancient place where the original Tower of Babel was all these years later. And you've seen what's come out of there. You've seen the death, the destruction, the rise of ISIS, the, the destabilizing of the entire world. Couple that with transitions in power around the Western civilization, nation states of the world. And what has emerged now, well into the 21st century, is a blurring of the lines of all sorts, not just militarily and politically, but also spiritually and, and, and the conventional norms 
of sexuality, male, female, all of this stuff has transitioned into where we are today in just a matter of the last 25 years when we determined we were going to go to that ancient land. And God only knows what we've opened up in the incredible violence that's been being uh, inflicted upon that region of the world. Moving right along. <laughs> so, right. right? So they, they let yeah. us build this. Go ahead. Oh. No, I, I read an incredible, oh no, I heard, this was a few years ago, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, I heard that a lot of investors now are investing there around that area. That's what we're talking about. A lot of interesting things are happening. A lot of people are investing their money to buy there. That's yeah, pretty, I, I just wonder why. That was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I right? just thought that was interesting. No, that's, yeah. That's very good. And And, and yeah, we could... There is, there are reasons, brother, and we know what they are. So listen, so uh, let us build a city and a tower, both, right? They wanted to, to, to be what we've been talking about. And then they say this, let us make a name uh, for ourselves, right? Let us make a name. That sounds like, like what God said, right? Let us make man in our image, right? Mm. They're talking about let us make a name in light of everything we were just talking about, about obtaining children about the return of the exiles, about creating a whole woke society, right, uh, as guarders and protectors of this technological tower they're attempting to build, and they want to merge with the gods of old and make their own name. They're literally saying, we want to be like gods. Let us make a name. Lest we be scattered abroad. That literally means broken into pieces. See, they're all they're all enlightened now, man. They know, they know. They want to become a unified military, uh, transhuman, militarized. <laughs> Skynet ain't nothing. No, that's what we're talking about. Here. <laughs> Let yeah. us make an unless we be scattered abroad or broken into pieces. No, uh, all of this is an attempt to resist God in the most evil and warlike way. So ask yourself, haven't men and devils sought to be global dominators from the very beginning? Yes, we're seeing it right now. From Cain, who killed his brother, right? He was jealous of him and seeks to dominate territory. If you do a, if you do a really in-depth study, you'll find that the place that Nimrod came to is exactly quite possibly where Cain went to. They're they're in the same geographic territory. This Cain, yeah. yes, this Nimrod, uh, and then go down through the list of all these despots that have existed all the way up to what we are about to see in the not too distant future: a return to Nimrod, a return to global, uh, a global unified uh, body of of people. Now, as we're talking about this, we begin to understand a little bit more. Why John points out. They worshipped the dragon. They gave power to the beast whose deadly wound was healed. This is the wound we're talking about. And the, and, and, and the worship of the dragon, the worship of that ancient beast, then gives way in Revelation 13.5 to Nimrod again, if you will, the, a, a new mouth, filled quite possibly with the same spirit that inhabited him after what he did in Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Now, So this has been going on since the very beginning. And now we understand in a much greater sense 
why the Lord came down, right? I mean, this is like, whoa, dude. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so he Amen. says it first. Right? That, that's the King James. Whoa, it's. So he comes <laughs> in verse five, right? That's why now we see. I mean, verse five says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of Adam or men built. And the Lord said, behold, uh, the people is one. And they have all one language. And they be and this they begin to do. And, 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 and so this is what God said. He said, this they begin to do. The word begin to do, again, it's that same word that was used when when it was describing what Nimrod did, begin to do is is chala, right? It means they they have begun to defile themselves ritually. They're doing yeah. ritual stuff here, and and to pollute themselves uh, in order to asa or bring forth something. This is what they begin to do. They're attempting to bring something forth, and then he says, now in verse six, right? He says, now nothing shall be. Uh, restrained from them. That word, nothing, very insightful what God was saying. Uh, it comes from two words. One is kol and one is kalal. Uh, the word nothing means uh, the whole of everything or anything uh, will be completed. So the whole or, or the complete thing that they were attempting to do, it, it, it will be completed because they accessed through Nimrod something so profound. And he says, nothing will be not one thing that literally means no nothing but listen to this it also means uh, uh from before so he's literally saying this is what they begin to do and nothing will be in other words everything that was before that they're seeking to access it won't be withheld from them or restrained from them that's what the word restrained means it comes from the word batsar which means inaccessible by height or by dimensional barriers I mean, literally, he's literally saying they have done it. They have done it. They have actually. And what's really interesting, brother, is the reverse, right? Like you were pointing out way earlier at the beginning of this teaching as we're winding down, uh, you, you pointed out how, how Nimrod tried to leave his first estate, as you described it, right? But in Genesis chapter 6, uh, it was the angels leaving their estate, right? But this is what God is saying, exactly what you said, Brother Fernando, uh, is that is that the reverse is happening here. It's not the angels trying to come back. It's the people trying to bring them back, right? It's not the angels trying to leave their estate because they're bound in chains. It's the people trying to access them and let them loose. It's insane, right? Led by the Antichrist. So that's what God is literally saying here. Nothing shall be inaccessible to them. They've tapped into something here. A dimensional barrier uh, is no longer the thing that will keep them apart. And it also, the word batsar also means from the secrets and mysteries of the universe. That's, that's how deep this, this, this demonic technology became in their time. And, and, and anything that they imagine uh, or have imagined, right? That's what he goes on, which they have imagined to do. The word is zamam or means that what they were thinking about was a plot exclusively for evil purposes as we've been discussing right so so that's uh you know the lord scattered them right he changed not only their 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 language the ability to communicate uh audibly but also their their writing skills 
And, and that's why we see uh, rudimentary alphabets begin to emerge in the archaeological record up until where we are today. See, we have a common language today again, like they did back then. It's not just that we can understand each other again, but the common language that we're all speaking right now is called ones and zeros, right? It's the language of the World Wide Web. And as we go forward in the next coming days, right. we're, we're, go we're going to look at the return to the technology that probably has always been here. Like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just that we've been a humanity, like Dr. Graham Hancock used to say, we're, we're, we're a species with amnesia. We forgot where we came from, but the same spirit right. is moving us back to where we once were. The, the, uh, the ramifications of that are going to be devastating because Nimrod's coming again, not too many days from now. We're going to talk about that as the Lord allows. Probably tomorrow we'll go a little bit further in this. But, but he limited, tremendously limited their technology. But the fact that we see, just like Daniel said, right? He was told by the angel Gabriel, when, when things begin to be moving as fast as lightning to and fro, and, and education is vastly increased, he says, you'll know that the end has arrived. So it's now in our day that the world has returned back to the beginning. And like we just said, another Nimrod is coming. A false prophet is coming. We're going to look into him. The secrets will begin to reemerge. And they will succeed where Nimrod failed. But Jesus will come down, just like the Lord came down, right? He declares the end from the beginning. <laughs> the Lord came down. Only Jesus is coming down with, with ten thousands of his saints. That's what Enoch said, right? That's what Jude quoted Enoch saying. He's coming to execute judgment upon all the ungodly and the wicked. Jesus is coming. Only this time he's going to save his people. And once and for all, like we read yesterday, he's going to destroy the beast. He's going to destroy his body, the false prophet, and he's going to bind that old devil for a thousand years, the Bible says. And then the end shall come. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 So today's message is in the Lord came down to see. He's coming again. Are you ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Any closing yes. thoughts, brother? Yeah, the evidence is all around us, right? Uh, yeah. There's evidence of this this technology all over the world. You know, um, it, you know. I, I, sometimes I wonder what you know. Uh, and we speak about this, you know, Christians are afraid to speak about these things, but this is what, what the Bible is declaring unto us. This was the first global attempt uh, by a man to unify the world, and it was not allowed because it wasn't time. It wasn't the time that, uh, where this would take place. Now, we know in the book of Revelations, we see that uh, God will allow this attempt to take place, and it will... Uh, uh, Lucifer will deceive through the man of sin uh, most of the world. So it is happening before our very own eyes, and whether you want to realize it or not, there is a Luciferian agenda taking play, place at high places. Yeah. Now, whether the people are aware of these things that, that, that are being influenced by the enemy or not, you know, that's, that's a whole different story. But uh, we we do know and we see the evidence of what's taking place right now that it is exactly what took place in the days of Nimrod following the flood. 
So, yes, this is taking place in our days. Do we have eyes to see? You know, we spoke about the one language, the one mind. I mean, what connects us all together today? You know, we all hold this little device called the iPhone or or the smartphone, right, in our hands that connects the whole world, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the language, you know. This is the technology, the new technology uh, that, that we're seeing. So there's, there's many more things that we're going to bring forth uh, concerning uh, this subject and as the Lord allows. And, and, and this is not for you to be afraid. This is just to prepare you. And you sh- we, should, we should already have been aware that these things were coming. Yeah. So I thank I thank God that he, he he did not leave us alone, but he left his Holy Spirit in his word to guide us into all truth. And uh, I just want to, again, challenge the listener, hear this again. We're only quoting what the Bible is saying and what the, what the Hebrew is saying, the root words. So um, I pray that this has blessed you and uh, continue to uh, be a student of the word of God, and, and, and he will reveal the truth to you. Amen. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed today and um, uh, you've been challenged to search these things. As uh, we've been saying, whether you believe it or not, I'll tell you what, those trying to access these portals, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're trying to access. So I think it's important that we know uh, what the Bible says and, 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 and what Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, what we're trying to bring out is through the word of God that what's going to happen at the end, it's, there's been many attempts, there's been attempts before, and we see clear uh, um, examples here in the word of God, man trying to access that world. But uh, I pray that you've been blessed, and I pray that you join us tomorrow. Uh, this is exciting. This is, uh, it, it's interesting, but it's exciting. And uh, what's coming out of all of this, is to draw us closer to God and to seek for his return soon. Amen. So may God bless you. May God keep you and keep looking up.